of our message titled, A Satanic Conspiracy, When Truth is in Trouble. Before we read our scripture passage this morning, I want to remind us, those of you that are here, those that have been uh, are watching and those that have been uh, following our series, uh, we want to be mindful of the fact that uh, we're talking about, listen carefully, a satanic conspiracy. You want to take that in when truth is in trouble. And we have already determined through our studies that we're living in a world of ever-increasing confusion, chaos, lies. Uh, We, whoever the we might be, don't seem to understand or know what the truth is. Uh, What's up has become down What's down is up. What's right has become wrong. And what's wrong is deemed as right. It's a whole lot of confusion. And then there's this thing about my truth, your truth, their truth. Uh, Everybody's got their own truth, whatever that truth is. And truth is being tossed around like it's a game of have it your way whatever way you want it to be. And understand if you asked people today what is truth, you can be certain it's going to start an interesting conversation. You just ask anybody. You try asking what truth is in some places and you're likely to receive uh, laughter, scorn, or sometimes even ridicule or mockery. And the concept and idea of what truth really is has taken a hit, for lack of better words. Uh, And the consequences, listen, of rejecting truth is seen as more evident now than ever before. Uh, People are doing their own things and uh, it's a decline in morality, uh, disregard and disrespect for righteous living, Uh, People don't care. Uh, They have an attitude of, I don't care. People are shooting and killing folk with, ain't no thing. I've heard it. They don't care. Unmerciful living. Taking other people's lives as if it's nothing wrong with it. And remember concerning truth. One of the most profound and eternally significant questions in the scripture, in the Bible, was posed by an unbeliever named Pilate. Y'all remember Pontius Pilate was the Roman governor of Judea who presided over the trial of Jesus and ultimately ordered his crucifixion. Y'all remember that? Pilate, the man who handed Jesus over to be crucified, turned to Jesus in his final hours and he asked the question, what is truth? It was a rhetorical question, a cynical, suspicious, non-believing response to what Jesus had said to him. You remember when Jesus said, I have come into the world to testify 
to the truth. Cynicism, an attitude of distrust, suspicion of the motives and, 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 and truthfulness of what someone else says, in this case, Jesus. And understand, some people say that truth is a power play. That's what some people say, a, a, a meta-narrative, self-legitimizing story constructed by the elite, rich, and power-hungry people uh, for the purpose of controlling uh, ignorant, poor, and uninformed people who don't know any better. Truth, their truth. To some people, truth uh, is just an individual's preference and opinion. Ah, ain't no big thing, truth. You get yours, I got mine, they got theirs, little pockets of truth. But is that what God designed it to be? You know, and then they got folk that, some folk just flatly deny the idea of truth. No truth, ain't no truth. So again, we ask, what is truth? I'm just kind of give us a little back dropping and where we were to bring us up to speed and a simple definition of truth, y'all want to get this, is drawn from what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that truth is that which is consistent, listen, with the mind, the will, the character, the glory, and being of God. Even more to the point, truth is the self-expression of God. And understand because the definition of truth flows from God, then truth is therefore, here we go, theological. Amen, somebody. Uh, not only is it theological, but it's also ontological, which is a fancy way of saying it is the way things really are. Reality is what it is because God declared it so and made it so. Therefore, God is the author, the source, the determiner, the governor, the arbiter, the ultimate standard and final judge of all truth. Do I have a witness? So let's begin this morning with our scripture reading around the thought, the idea. I keep pushing it because I don't want you to forget it. A satanic conspiracy when truth is in trouble. Look at John chapter 8, verse 44. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. St. John chapter 8, verse 44. Remember, we're talking about a satanic conspiracy. John 8, 44 says, For you are, Jesus talking, are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. Listen what the Bible says. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he, the devil, lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar. I don't know who the devil's trying to talk to this morning, but you better believe what God says. He's a liar. 
Not only is he the liar, but the Bible says he's the father of lies. He'll make you try to make you think what he's telling you and putting it to your mind is the way it is. But don't forget, I don't know who God is talking to. The devil is a liar. In John 8, Jesus was speaking, listen, to a group of Jews who refused to believe in who he was. Jesus had critics just like you and I have. Yeah. So don't get bent out of shape when you hear folk criticize or you're being criticized. I, I don't like criticism because some criticism is constructive, but I don't like it, but I accept it. And even when it's unfounded criticism, I don't let it get me down because I'd rather believe what God says about me than what other people say about me. Uh, you remember before Jesus spoke, they had claimed to be the children of Abraham. And Jesus responded by pointing out that they were not true sons of Abraham. Why? Because Abraham believed God and followed God. You got a whole lot of folk that say, I believe in God. I believe there is a God. Uh, I'm as much a follower of God as you are. You know, that kind of thing. Well, uh, people that uh, are true believers and followers of God, they have a, a true enough identification. They're defined not by just what they say, but how they live. And I'm not talking about perfect. None of us is perfect. Amen, somebody. None of us is perfect. Uh, we're all still a work in progress. Do I see a hand? Anybody still a work in progress? And it's important to know that a consequence, y'all want to get this, of people believing the lies of the enemy, the devil, includes, listen, culpability in murder. Ooh. People who continue to embrace, to believe the lies of the devil, who, who partner with him, who, 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 who listen to him, you become culpable, culpable in murder. I see myself kidding. I hope that's not going out that way, cutting in and out. Uh, the taking of lies, lives, and the shedding of innocent blood not only is physical murder, but there's a spiritual murder that takes place. Hello, somebody. In other words, people who teach that God's law, do I need a mic or something else? Yeah, because I don't want to see. The enemy don't even want you to hear this. We was running smooth when I was talking about something else. Now I'm talking about lies. And the liar don't want me to talk about his lies. Y'all understand, he's the prince of the power of the air. He messes with the airwaves. If I was talking about partying or, or having a, 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 you know, some other kind of fashion show, we'd be blasting. When we talk about him as a liar, and guess what? He tries to intimidate. It's like some people in high places now. They want to intimidate you, say, if you do this, you're going to be in trouble. The devil, listen, he tries to intimidate me all the time. My wife will tell me I'm up sometimes all hours of the morning, a.m., preparing message. God is always tweaking and say, put this in. But not only culpable physical murder, but again, spiritual murder. 
Spiritual murder, those who teach that God's law, God's word, God's truth has been done away with. You're a spiritual murderer. Attempting to destroy those who have God's Holy Spirit. And those Jews were rejecting Jesus. So at that point in John 8, 44, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. The Bible says, Jesus says, he was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth. Why? There's no truth in him. That seems odd that murder is inserted into a passage that deals extensively with the devil as a liar, but I believe Satan's ultimate goal, listen to me, y'all, his ultimate goal for every lie he tells is your death and mine. He wants to destroy you and me, your family. Don't you believe for a second he don't want to destroy your family? He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your grandchildren. He wants to destroy your hopes, your aspirations. He wants to destroy, but truth shall overcome the lie. I wish. <laughs> uh, the Bible says, again, he's the originator of lies. You remember Satan told the first lie recorded in history to Eve, in the Garden of Eden. You remember he said, we won't go over, well, first of all, we won't go over all of that. Y'all can go back to YouTube and Facebook and get all the part one and part two. Amen. But remember, it was after planting seeds of doubt in Eve's mind with a question in Genesis 3 and 1, he directly contradicted God's word by telling her, you won't, you will certainly not die. And notice with that lie, the devil, Satan, initiated Adam and Eve with the fall of mankind. We talk about the fall. That's the transition of the first man and woman from a state of innocent obedience to a state of guilty disobedience. In other words, a lie or lying is Satan's primary weapon against you and me. Hello, somebody. You wake up feeling good. You wake up feeling like you're going to have a good day. And a liar will tell you, you're not going to have a good day. You better watch out. You might get shot. You, you, you may not make it this church. You might not make it to home. Always trying to steal your joy. See, <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of myself. You, in fact, may not, but I'm not going to dwell on what I may not because I'm trusting God throughout the day. And whatever goes down, God says it's got to get past him. That's right. That's right. Remember last week, part two of this message, we left off looking at the beginning. Y'all want to get this of three basic elements for satanic conspiracy. I said, y'all better get this out there. You better get it. Three basic elements for satanic conspiracy. One of them is half-truth. The second one is questioning the legitimacy of the truth. And the third thing is seduction concerning the truth. So let's begin with this first one, half-truth. 
A half-truth is a deceptive statement that includes some elements of truth. The statement might be partly true. The statement may be totally true, but only part of the whole truth. Y'all missing it. In other words, once people reject the truth or decide for themselves what the truth is, listen, it produces something. It produces fables, myths, man-made wisdom and unsound teaching. Once you allow half-truths and entertain it, you set yourself up to accept any, any old thing. You know, fables is a general catchword for anything that is not the truth. Paul the Apostle said, listen, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 to 6, the New King James Version, Paul said, here we go, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. You said, I ain't a preacher. Well, tell somebody the truth. All right? Verse 3 says, For the time will come when people, listen, will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number, a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Everybody don't want the truth. That's why they don't flock to where truth is too sound. You, you know, you got to flavor it with some other stuff. You know, flavor it with a fashion show. Flavor it with, you know, all we do is cook. All you know for what's going on in that church, they, they cook good uh, rib sandwiches. Ain't nothing about no word. They, they, they cook good rib sandwiches. Uh, yeah, he, he, the pastor, they, they, he flips over the pulpit. You ever seen him split? Oh, man, he does a split. Oh, yeah. That's what that church is, is theatrics. They gather around teachers and stuff that makes you feel good. Verse 4 says, they will turn their ears away from the truth and are turned aside to myths, but you keep your head in all situations, verse 5. Endure, here we go, we don't like to hear it. Endure hardship. Is anybody other than me that does not like hardship? I don't like it. I didn't say I wouldn't endure it, but I don't like it. I don't like it. Matter of fact, I'm the last one to say, Lord, use me like you used Job. No. You got a pass? I'll take the pass. I already know Job's story, and I don't want to revisit it on my own. Amen. Verse 6, for I'm being poured, already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. In other words, when we are not focused on God and the truth, he gives to selected and gifted men and women, you dabble or subject yourself to dabbling in falsities, error. Now what happens if a person, let me, let me see this example. I'm talking about half-truths. What happens if a person pours uh, poison into a drink? Is it a good drink any longer? I'm just asking you. You know, if they pour poison. Well, the drink, you know, still got the initial elements. But if they pour the poison into it, 
It has been contaminated. Any amount of poison in that drink means it is no longer pure. Any truth of the word of God mixed with error is no longer valid. No longer pure. So you got to be careful to feed yourself and to mind your, be, be mindful who, who you allow yourself to be fed by. Hello, somebody. <laughs> don't, don't just get caught up with the crowd. Oh, I love crowds, but don't just get caught up with the crowd. Amen. Amen, somebody. You get caught up in the crowd and, and, and you, you get put down with the crowd. But not only the half-truth, secondly, the questioning of the legitimacy of the truth. And understand, otherwise, there's a right way and a wrong way to ask questions about something. In other words, questioning the Bible, y'all need to hear this. Questioning the Bible can be a natural part of our spiritual growth. Amen? Or it can become the beginning of a means by which we begin to wander away from the truth of God. Amen, somebody. I don't have any problems with answering people's questions, but then there's a problem if your motives are not pure. I'm not going to debate you over everything that you read in the Bible and then you got something, well, how come, why, this, that, and the other? No, no, no. You're trying to find holes. You're trying to find error. You're trying to use that, uh, uh, what you don't understand, as something to catch God off. You know, I, I, I got you. Jesus welcomed questions from his disciples. When they had trouble understanding the parable of the sower, he shared an explanation with them. Well, you see that. Look at Luke chapter 8, verses 9 to 15. I'm reading New Living Translation. Luke chapter 8, verses 9 to 15. It says, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. Jesus replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables, listen, to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And when they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. God says, I ain't playing no games with you. Verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God, God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who, listen, hear the word, I'm in verse 12, only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and really, and being saved. Verse 13, the seeds on the rocky soil represent people who hear the message, receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while. Then they fall away when they face temptation. Some of us know that folk, they get all excited. I don't know how many folk I've had over, this is my 27th year. Over the years when people, Pastor, I love that word. I this, that word. I've had people that, that came in fired up. Y'all know them too, fired up. Man, they started off on fire and then they fizzled. Fired up with the word. I used to get excited years ago, but now I don't get excited. I said, let's see. Yeah. 
Let's see how long that's going to last. That's the ones that receive it initially with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, see, you can't come to church or read the Bible, let me put it that way, every now and then when you feel like it or you think you need to, you've got to stay in the word. You've got to be consistent with the truth. See, the roots gotta, the words gotta take root in you. And Jesus says, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. Uh, most of y'all, let me, let me just, uh, most of y'all know, and I, I used to be an alcoholic, amen, for years and years, 12 years of age to 30. Long time. And I was somewhere, it's, it's nothing wrong, uh, the other day with family members. And they were serving drinks. You know, they got these fancy drinks. Woo, man. But I wanted them without, honey, what's that drink I like? Oh, sure. but pina colada. Pina colada. But I wanted it without alcohol. But somebody said, I know you pastor, but if you want to go on and drink, drink. You know, I ain't going to tell nobody. You know, I know you got to preach on Sunday. Now, I'm not saying because you drank, you, 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 unpardonable sin. I said I used to be an alcoholic. I used to drink every day. School, then work, and man, all the time. I used to hide my bottle and tell my wife I forgot something. I was lying. We forgot something, went in the house and took a, came out, that stuff all. They used to have them stuff sensings or something. Man, that stuff just makes you smell all over the place. Matter of fact, when you're chewing, it's what you, what you trying to hide. But anyway, the person said, I know you passed. Look, I ain't going to tell nobody. I said, you know what? It's not that even. I don't want no alcohol in my drink. Because I said, I'd have been alcohol free for 40, ever how many years it is. I said, I don't even want to bother with it. I said, suppose I took, and I don't believe it would, but I said, suppose I took a drink right now, then I liked it. Then I start sipping on it. Then I come up on the pulpit, say, they they, they don't think nothing with water. And then y'all start seeing me get a little antsy. And doing stupid stuff. Watch your mouth. You're already doing stupid. Watch your mouth. Then I jump off and, no, something wrong with him. Verse 14, the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Verse 15, and so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, they cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. And so it is when we read something in the Bible, 
that seems contradictory or confusing, it should prompt you and I to ask questions and seek God for answers. Give me 15 minutes and I'm going to be done this message. When we trust that God is the ultimate authority, when we believe that the Bible is indeed his word, then we're in the best shape we can be in. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 20 and 21 says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from a human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Because people said, there ain't nothing but men speaking. You got to believe God says, no, the Holy Spirit is a person. I got to preach on the Holy Spirit. Because somebody here, if you would ask who's the Holy Spirit, some of us might start to, I don't know, he's a ghost, ain't he? He said a ghost, a spirit. He's a person. He leads, he guides, he directs, he convicts among so many other things. I got to preach on it because some of y'all get so. He's a person. I will send you another comforter just like me. He's a part of the Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is a person, not some. Y'all looking at me funny. Somebody, you believe that he's some kind of spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. Part of the Trinity. Triune God. With that being said, all God's attributes cannot be fully understood by human comprehension. To name some of the attributes, we, we, you know, we know that uh, he, he, his attribute of love, mercy, grace, truth, power, faith, knowledge. I like Psalm 139. That's one of my favorite psalms. In Psalm 139, you find out that God is, the Bible says, omni, uses the word omni. And that word omni, O-M-N-I, means everything. So God is omnipresent everywhere at the same time. I don't know who, who the devil told you by yourself going through. No, uh, he's omnipresent. You're not by yourself right now what you're going through. You've got to dismiss the lie of the devil telling you you're all by yourself, nobody to help you. He's a liar. God says, I'm omnipresent. I'm everywhere. When I go home, he's going to go with me. But when you go home, he's going to go with you too. Y'all, listen. Isn't that a good thing? How many people that he's going and you know he's going home with all of us. And none of us are going to be short-sighted. He's not going to be spread so thin that he's ineffective. He's as strong everywhere all the time. Omnipresent, omniscient. He knows everything there is to know. He said, I got a secret. Nobody knows. God knows it. Don't you know God knows what you're thinking right now about what you're going to do later? I hope it's a good thought. You've been exposed. I've been exposed on times. You ever been thinking thoughts that you tried to hide from God? Come on, a little bit. If I don't think about them, 
Even God can't read that one. I hear that one back, way back there in the corner, 40 years back. It's, it's, it's covered up with all kind of stuff. I got clothes and coats and shirts and, and trash thrown all over. God can't even read. Really? Omnipresent, omniscient, Om, omnipotent. He has all power. Let me read a little bit of Psalm 139. Can I read a little bit? I, I, I'm Psalm 139, verse 1 says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Did you hear him say everything? Verse 2, you know when I sit down or stand up. Wow. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. Verse 3, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. Somebody say everything. Verse 4, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Y'all, 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 I'm telling you, omni. You go, verse 5, you go before me and follow me. You think you're going somewhere secret? Yeah. You follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Skip to verse 7. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. You can't hide. I can't hide from God. Verse 8. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. I go to hell. You're there. Verse 11. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. Verse 12. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you, Lord. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Verse 12, Psalm 139, you made, listen, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. God knows you like nobody else. You think, I think I know my wife. No, God knows her more. You think you know your husband. God knows him more. You think you know your children. God knows them more. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, verse 13, and knit me together. In my mama's womb. Verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Omni. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Verse 23. Psalm 139. Here we go. You got to be willing to do this. He knows it. Search me. Oh God. Is anybody willing to have God search you? Hands up. Get against the car. Ah. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Verse 24, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. In other words, when we search for understanding, we will either end up with an answer or we may not. God says, I'll decide whether or not I'm going to answer, depending upon, I don't want you to be, listen, moving on and, 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 and only uh, responding to me if I tell you what you want to hear, when you want to hear it. You ought to trust me even if you don't understand. Yeah, yeah. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. I don't have to know what God is going to do tomorrow or later on. I might want to know, but I don't have to know. My hope, my help, I trust him. You deliver me. You take me. If I die, it's your, your, your saying. If I live, it's because you want me to live. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Not thy will, but thy will. Oh, I'm almost done. Since the beginning of time, the devil has attempted us to doubt God's word. He started with Eve in the garden. Not only half truth and questioning of the legitimacy of the truth, but as I hasten, seduction concerning the truth. Uh, many people in the body of Christ are easy prey for seduction. Listen, because they only want to have their itchy ears satisfied by things that sound good and things that make you feel good. Oh man, I got to move on. But not too long ago, I didn't feel like, because I was angry with my wife, I'm being transparent. She said, oh Lord. <laughs> I didn't feel like forgiving her. And the Bible, God, the Holy Spirit said to me, you the same loudmouth preacher that gets up on Sunday morning telling everybody else not to go with their feelings but do what is right in spite of how they feel and now you feel like you've been offended and you feel hurt and you don't want to talk to her and you know she loves you and you talking about how you feel, you better put feeling down and do what I tell you to do. And guess what? I had to make a decision. Lord, I know what I don't feel, but it's not my will, but thy will. Uh, hey, honey. You talk, you, anybody knows it takes more than a notion when you don't feel like talking to somebody who made you mad. Anybody like that ever been there? I don't want to talk to you for the next two weeks. Matter of fact, you told me you ain't talking to me. What's this? April? I'm, I'm in March. I might catch you in June. That ain't good. Oh, we ain't spoken three months. Man, stuff could go down in three months. Y'all. Single people too. Older people. Everybody ain't that old. All right, let me move on. Let me move on. All right, all right. All right, let's move on. Ah, that's why we have to watch and pray. Now as I get ready to close, I just gave you three basic elements or components for satanic conspiracy. Did you get it? And how that works in an attempt to suppress the truth of God. But that's not the only thing I want to leave with you as we conclude this message this morning. I'm talking about a satanic conspiracy when truth is in trouble. And I want to give you these specific lies that the devil talks. Somebody need to hear this. He might be talking to you later on, if not right now. 
But there's some specific lies from the devil that we need to hear and how truth of God will set us free from his lies. Can I give you these? And we're done. First of all, John 8.32, the New King James Version says, the truth will set you free. And in John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the truth. You got to keep on and hold on to the satanic conspiracy now when truth is in trouble. And understand the lies that Satan uses and the biblical truth that sets us free from his lies. First lie, he'll tell you, maybe not in this order, but it'll come. You can't do what God wants you to do. That's his lie. You can't do that. The worst thing about the I can't do lie is that it stops us before we even start. It fills us with fear as we face our biggest obstacles and challenges. He'll say, you can't handle that one. You dealt with it, but this one is too big. That news you just got is just the worst. I can't overcome alcohol. Uh, I shouldn't expect to have a good marriage. Everything I touch turns out wrong. Uh, I'm a failure. That's a lie. I can't follow God. I can't kick this big bad habit. I can't stop now. I'm in it too deep. I can't start that business, but y'all know that familiar passage. Philippians 4.13. New Living Translation says, for I can do. See, when he tells them, I know I can do everything through Christ. Y'all don't miss that. Who gives me strength. I can't do it by myself, but I can do all things, everything on me through Christ who gives me strength. Y'all need to know as I hasten on, when Paul said I can do all things, he was talking about in spite of saying Paul was catching hell. That's the same Paul who had endured shipwrecks, physical troubles and ailments, emotional damage, mental, psychological, spiritual challenges, and oppression. None of that was big enough to keep Paul from doing that which God called him to do. He didn't have a clear road. He was catching hell. And he still said, I can do all things, everything through Christ. God was talking to somebody this morning. Not only the lie can't do, but secondly, the lie number two, God won't. God won't help you. God won't forgive you again. God won't hear you. Matter of fact, God has stopped loving you. You have messed up so much. But I heard Psalms 103, 13 and 14, New King James says, like as a father pitieth his children. So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Uh, Isaiah 46, 3 and 4 says, 
NLT, listen to me, descendants of Jacob. All you who remain in Israel, I have cared for you since you were born. Who is God talking to? Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God. Oh, my God. I will be your God always. Uh, until your hair is white with age. Okay, how old you are. Elder, I don't care how old we get. I will be your God. Why? I made you. I'm reading the Bible, y'all. I will care for you. I will carry you along and I will save you. Uh, the psalmist says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, verse, uh, Psalms 34. He rescues those, listen, whose spirits are crushed. Not only the lie can do and uh, God won't, but lie number three, I'm almost done. Nobody cares. Is that some, some lies that he taught? Nobody cares. You own it by yourself. That's a lie from Satan, the accuser. It, it's a lot close to the first recorded lie. His approach to Eve was that God did not have her best interests at heart. Uh, we know God cares. Romans 8.32 says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Romans 8.32. And guess what? God not only cares, but he puts people around you who care for you. I wish I had some witnesses. He puts people around who genuinely, not about in your business, but they care for you. I care for you. I hope you care for me. Really care for me. When you hurt, I hurt. We hurt together. Oh, my God. Uh, the lie can't do, the lie God won't, the lie nobody cares. But there's a fourth lie, I only got five. You don't matter. That's another lie from the devil. You do know you do matter. If you don't know, you better know it. Yeah, what's that familiar passage? John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one of a kind begotten son that whosoever believes in him Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life verse 17 of John 3 for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. In other words, you and I do matter. It ain't about a black lives and white lives and Hispanic lives. Uh, God's children, everybody matters. Uh, not because of who you are, but because of whose we are. Uh, do I have a witness? Well, let me close this thing. I, I took you 10 minutes, but that's okay. Not only the lie I can't do, not only lie number two, God won't, not only lie number three, nobody cares, 
Not only lie number four, you don't matter. But wait a minute, there's one more. One more lie that Satan will try to get you to believe. It's too late. He'll try to get you to believe. It's too late for your marriage. Too late for your children. I don't know who God is talking to this morning. But he's talking to somebody in here and out there. It's not too late. Will you come to Jesus this morning? Uh, it's not too late. As long as you're breathing and have a mind open to hear and to receive the word. It's never too late. Look at somebody and say, it's not too late. There's a powerful lie of the devil. Uh, he'll tell you it's too late. <laughs> you messed up one time too many. But he's a God of another and 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 another chance. Ain't he good? Another chance. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. The Bible said he's slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. I heard Lamentations 3.22 and 25. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Think about it. I got a new set of mercies. You, 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 you. We got a new set of messages every morning, every day. I use them up today. Wait till tomorrow. I got a new set. Oh, I said the devil's a liar. Truth is in Jesus. Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Say yeah. Say yeah! Say yeah! Thanks be to God for Jesus. That's all right, Elder. Jesus is the truth, and the truth 